today we start a new series this is called the big three you see it on the front of your bulletin we're going to be dealing with three things today is worship next week we're going to be talking about uh, growing as christian disciples through study and then the third of those uh, the series will be about uh, service and mission and witnessing and uh, the outgo of the grace that God has given to us, we're sharing with others. As Jesus said, though, you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, it's like as if you were doing it for me. So that's our outline and our plan for uh, these days that lie immediately ahead of us. And let me say that I'm so glad to see you here. We we're talking about worship today, and I'm glad to see so many worshiping here. I see very few empty chairs now and it's great to see that and i hope we'll uh, next week we'll have to worry about adding more chairs we're fortunate to have a flexible uh, sanctuary place to worship in that way so we can uh, have plenty of room and be comfortable but uh, god is doing great things and responding in great ways and and we pray that you'll be here and be a part of the excitement and the blessing that is there I want to talk to us about uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. This is our text for today, the first two verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your whole being, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. Don't be like other people in this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern with your mind, understand what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We'll come back to this in a few moments, but let me set the stage for us talking about worship. What is worship? I'm going to, I'm going to give you a second to think about it, and then I'm going to ask you to call out words or phrases that will convey your understanding of what worship is. I want you to say it out loud where others can have it. I won't be able to catch all of them to repeat, but that's, that's, that's all right. All right, tell me and tell the rest, what is worship? Okay. 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 Okay, you, you did good. You, you just about covered the entire uh, waterfront. Uh, let me tell you what uh, Daniel Webster thought. Paying divine honor to God, a feeling of respect and reverence, power, provision, merit, and virtue, dignity, worth, devotion. Worship is declaring the worth of God. The word worship comes from worth, W-O-R-T-H, ship worthy of being praised. It, he is the most worthy thing in all of creation. And we're declaring that when we come to worship, just our coming here and being in this place, we're saying to the world out there, God's worth it. We, we have that great song that comes from the Revelation, worthy is the lamb. We have a Christmas carol, oh come, let us adore him, let us worship him. This is what we're all about when we are at worship. William Temple, the Archbishop of the Church of England, pointed out five things that happen when we truly worship. Pay, pay close attention. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind by the truth of God, 
to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and devote the will to the purpose of God. These are things that can happen and go on in our lives if we open ourselves to that. Now, the Westminster Catechism, which asked in a question and answer form the truths of the Christian faith, it says, what is the chief end of man, of humanity? And the reply is, the chief end and duty of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Two key words, glorify and enjoy. And when we are worshiping, that's what we should be about. It's the highest thing we can do. We can glorify God and we can enjoy God. He gives something in our hearts that we benefit from that as we do that. Let's look a moment now back to our text where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your body, and the body representing our whole being. The, uh, the Hebrews did not split up the soul and the body as we tend to do today, but this represents the whole of the person as a living sacrifice. They had come through a period of, of offering uh, sacrifices to God of what? Dead animals. But he says, you're, you're let your life be a living sacrifice. This is something you offer, something you give God, a means by which you praise God and honor God and experience his, his uh, glory. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And he says, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, to the worldview, to the world's value, the world's way of doing things, the world's concept of what is right and what is wrong. Don't be doing that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. When Jesus was asked what's the great commandment, he said to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love and to worship. It was all about worshiping. Our, our reason for being, the highest that we can give to God is our love and our worship back to him. See, it was at this point that Satan thought he maybe could trap Jesus with the temptation, said, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll do, give you all of these things. I'll do all of these things for you. And Jesus, of course, said, well, I can't do that because the Scripture says, he, he fought off all, of the, all three of the temptations with Scripture. He says, says that you are to worship the Lord thy God with all your heart, and him only shall you serve. He, he knew that it would be against his character and his being if he failed to worship God. I want to talk to us about the crisis I want to uh, in worship. I want to talk to us about the cause of that uh, crisis and then about the cure for that crisis. The first crisis is about uh, worship in terms of two things. One is just the fact of uh, poor attendance. We live in a time in society when uh, secularism, as you know, is uh, being pushed all across the society, and uh, worship attendance is down through the years back in the 80s and the 90s and the, the uh, first part of this century and even to now. Uh, attendance is falling, is dropping, dropping off. People are less in, interested in coming to uh, worship. But it's, a, it's an interesting thing that that's true in the United States and in some places in Europe, but in the world, that is not the case. 
in Asia, even in places like uh, Japan and Korea and other places, in Africa, in South America, worship of God is on the increase. But it is in uh, the, the smugness of our not needing God kind of attitude we have that attendance is declining. Uh, in, and I mentioned in Europe, uh, here's some stats that would, should cause you concern. The average in America that they use is roughly about 40%. That doesn't mean that 40% is here every single Sunday because uh, they're not, but regularly or recently have attended. But in France, it's down to 12%. Norway, only 3%. Sweden, 5%. Italy, where most people would say they are Roman Catholics, the Pope lives there, uh, 31%. Estonia, 4%. It's amazing. In the, in the United Kingdom, Great Britain, it is only 12% people who attend church with any degree of regularity whatsoever. So one thing is our low attendance. In the United States, it's mostly the mainline churches, of which we are one, that is declining. In the, your mega churches and your non-denominational churches, those are the churches that are growing and adding, as uh, some of you are aware. But there's a second thing that I really want to concentrate on, not only about the numbers who attend, but what happens when we attend, what goes on with us. And there are tragic figures that suggest that the majority of people who go to worship on, worship on Sunday morning and answering a survey about did you experience the presence of God in that worship service today, the majority of them have said no. Or they said, well, I don't know whether I did or not, over half, over half of the people. That's sad because we're missing what it's all about. What is the point of coming if you're not going to have an encounter with Almighty God, a personal encounter with God? That is what we're here to experience Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. What if you were asked when you leave uh, the CLC today, somebody would be standing at the head of his steps with a clipboard and a pencil and, and asking you, did you worship God? Did you meet God? Did you experience God's presence in the CLC a few moments ago while you were there? wonder I suggested to Tim maybe we would uh, create a questionnaire that we would pass out on a given Sunday and have people to respond to that in terms of whether they occasionally experience God's presence or often experience it or sometimes or most of the time or just about all the time or whatever it would be. It would be a learning experience for us to know that. Sally Morgenthaler had a book, has a book on uh, worship evangelism, and she says, we're not producing worshipers in this country. Rather, we are producing a generation of spectators, religious onlookers, lacking in many cases any memory of a true encounter with God. A sad, a, a, a sad indictment that we're hearing. Too many times we come as spectators, as the audience. You know, we've, we've typically thought of in terms of what happens up here with, with God, the God thing happens up here, and we're sitting out there uh, like 
part of the audience, like at a theater, a picture show, a, a drama, a musical concert somewhere. Uh, we're, we're here to be entertained. We're here to receive what is, is offered. But worship is not that way. You see, we are the actors. If we're the actors, then who is the audience? God's the audience. We're doing this for him. We're not asking God to do something for us to entertain us or to meet our uh, stated needs, as the case may be. But we are the actors. God, we're performing for God. We're doing this for God. This is to honor God, for God to share in that. R.C. Sproul says, so we're, we're so used to having and sensing, not having and sensing God's presence that we don't miss it. We don't know that it should be otherwise. Let's look now for what might be the causes of this failure for us to experience the presence of God. John MacArthur in his book on the priority of worship says, the church has slipped into a philosophy of Christian humanism that is flawed with self-love, self-esteem, self-fulfillment, and self-glory. We're so concentrated on ourselves and our own needs and our own desires that we miss what God is trying to do. Some complain that they don't get anything out of the service. You've heard people say that. Well, I didn't get anything out of that service. The question that comes back to you when you say that is, well, what did you give? What did you put into the service? No, you are to be an active participant. You're the one that is acting for God who is the audience. Did you come to praise God? Did you come to just see your friends? There's nothing wrong with seeing your friends. To listen to other people sing without participating yourself? I sometimes, in developing an outline for a message, will take the several points that start with a certain letter of the alphabet, open the dictionary, and just run through that and how many things pertinent to the message begin with that letter. I did that with, with uh, worship, the letter P. It should be a priority in our lives to be here. We, we use flimsy excuses for excusing. We think back to the Old Testament of, about Daniel how they passed a law that anybody that made a petition to anybody or anything other than the king uh, would be thrown into a den of lions. And so that he went away and hid in his closet and didn't let anybody know. No, he didn't. He, laid, he nailed down at the window facing toward Jerusalem and prayed three times a day. Well, those who were out to get him told the king what had happened, and the king, although he thought a lot of David, threw him in the lion's den, and you know the rest of the story. Priority. We should be prompt. Uh, I, I was pleased to see how many of you were in your place by the time we uh, started the service today. I commend you on that. That has not always been the case. Third P is we should prepare ourselves to come. We should prepare ourselves mentally, our minds, and get rid of the clutter and the things that uh, distract us or would distract us during the service. Uh, forget about what you're going to fix for, lady, for uh, the noon meal, ladies, or better yet, 
where your husband is taking them you to the restaurant uh, later, which place shall it be? But we, we prepare ourselves to concentrate to pray of praise, of course, which you named earlier, for prayer, for understanding the purpose of worship, why we're here, what is this all about? What if a person from a foreign country that wasn't uh, familiar with Christianity were to walk in and see all of these people sitting in rows like that, facing up here, and this guy going on and on and on? What, what, how would we help them to understand what it's all about? Our pride can cause us to not experience God our failure and willingness to humble ourselves uh, before him, and the list could go on and on. Now I want to talk about the cure. I want to read several scriptures, and then I want to ask you, what do all of these scriptures have in common? Come near to God, and he will come near to you. If you seek him, he will be found of you. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek his face always. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their hearts. And one of my favorites, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. And he, God, will have mercy and abundantly pardon. Wow, what a powerful promise God makes us. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. And then the last one, but if there, from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. What do all of these scriptures have in mind? One word, seek, seek. Seek, you see, requires some initiation on our part. It requires us acting out something, our behaving in such a way, our hunting, our longing, our, our desire to receive something that God has to offer. If we seek it, we will find it. We can't blame it on anybody else. We can't blame it on others who worship if they worship poorly. We can't blame it on the music that wasn't in my uh, range of octaves. Uh, we can't blame it on the preacher. We can't blame it on anything else because we're to seek God and God has promised over and over and over again in the scripture that if we will seek him, we will encounter him. We won't be in that majority that goes away saying, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Or they say, well, I didn't uh, meet God today. I didn't experience God's presence. It, it's on us that we commit ourselves to seeking that which God has to offer us to inquire, to attempt, to take a, uh, an undertaking. Now, think again back to our text for this morning. The true worship requires offering ourselves to God. God offers us his love, his salvation, his forgiveness, healing, uh, freedom from addictions, etc. The line goes on and on and on and on. But God says, now, you're, you're, it's your turn. That's, I, that's what I've done. And one of the things we do when we uh, worship is that if the, what God has done is declared. We, we talk about it. We, we, we praise it and celebrate what God has done. And then it is easy for us in return to give to him our lives, our whole selves as a living sacrifice that will transform us by the renewing of our minds. If we worship truly in giving to God this way, then transformations will take place in our lives. Change the way our, we think. 
the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about other people. It'll change our values. It will change our priorities. It'll change our attitudes. It will change our sense of responsibility that God puts forth on us. It changes our willingness and desire to be obedient to God when he invites us to follow his way and follow his commandments. The problem is, sometimes, that we don't want to go through any change. Fact is, to be honest, we don't want God messing with our stuff, do we? We want to go just feeling a little bit better about things and ourselves, but not too much. I often use in my prayer life and sometimes in leading in worship a prayer that goes all the way back to the 12th century. A fellow named Richard of Chichester, as we pronounce it, they pronounce it in British way, Chichester. And his prayer was used by the rock opera Godspell. And it goes, Oh dear Lord, day by day, three things I pray. To love you more dearly, to know you more clearly, and to follow you more nearly, day by day by day. Wow, what a powerful prayer that is. It brings all of our being, our 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 mental faculties, our emotional factors, our psychological factors, all of these coming together for God to use worship to mold us into more of a likeness so that we love God more, we know him more clearly, and we follow him more faithfully and deeply than we ever had before. Would you make that your prayer? Would you say, I'm going to be more intentional in my worship? I'm not just going to saunter in and plop down and hope I, maybe they'll sing a song I know or something and so on. Let's be intentional. Let's be uh, purposeful. Let's be seeking. Let's be hungering after God and he will satisfy our deepest needs. Let us pray. Father, thank you for loving us. We thank you for that power and that love that you give to us when we worship that Sam was praying about earlier. We ask, oh God, that you would cause our hearts to hunger after you. As the psalmist said, as the deer pants for the brook, the water of the brook, so our souls pant for you. Help, help us to get in touch with our desire and our need and our hunger for an encounter with you in every opportunity we come to worship. Grant this to be the case. And, O oh Lord, if there are those who feel at this moment they want to commit themselves to be a seeker after you, that they will get in touch with their inner being of hunger to experience you more and better. Let them know that they can meet you here. They can meet you at this altar. They can meet you in the chairs. They can meet you in this holy room, and you will not turn them away. For we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our altar, as always, is open for prayer.